You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1346 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you on a Thursday evening into Friday here in mid-November. And I want to thank you first on the podcast for making us your first listen each and every day. Check out the Locked On Hawks podcast across platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, YouTube, all those fun places to listen to podcasts. And today's show is also brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered the season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. And if you're watching on YouTube, you might see a slightly different camera setup tonight. My apologies for that. Um, I was dealing with some camera issues for whatever reason with my laptop this evening. And because it is so late, it's about midnight as I start to record this podcast, I was not going to go ahead and do the entire thing over again. So here we are with a uh, less than optimal setup but here we are it, it should sound hopefully the same as it usually does and for those those of you watching on youtube my apologies for that small change on this evening's podcast but the crux of today's episode is going to be the hawks and a 104 to 95 win over the philadelphia 76ers on this thursday evening at state farm arena i was in the building for this one the hawks improved to eight and two sorry eight and four overall five and two at home this season and a nice win bouncing back from a disappointing loss on Wednesday against the Utah Jazz and if you missed anything from that game by the way or earlier in the week the win over the Bucks or anything on this podcast really at all the every single episode is still archived um, on whatever your podcast platform might be so please subscribe rate review catch up and tell your friends about the show but uh, this is a nice win for the Hawks. Big picture. They had a 26 to 8 overall run in the second half, including the first 12 points of the fourth quarter to kind of break things open, go up by 20. It was not all easy from there. The Hawks got a little bit dicey at the end of this game. They led by only five in the closing minutes. And I don't think anybody was overly thrilled by the way this game ended for the Hawks, but certainly they were able to escape with the win. And that is probably the biggest takeaway from this particular contest. So we'll get into things as we always do on the show today, but a very nice win at home for Atlanta. Philadelphia is not playing incredibly well right now, which is certainly uh, notable. Uh, the Sixers came in with lofty expectations this season uh, with, of course, Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey and James Harden. Harden is hurt right now for Philadelphia, and Embiid is not 100% by all accounts. He's missed four games this year. He did not look like his normal explosive self in this game all the way through. Uh, but the, And they're now 5-7 and seven after this loss. So Philadelphia definitely stumbled out of the gate a little bit, which is at least worth pointing out in this game. Uh, Injury-wise for the Hawks, Trey Young was off the injury report entirely after being questionable on Wednesday and, of course, missing the game on Monday. Jalen Johnson was on the injury report as questionable with a hamstring tightness issue. Nate said he tweeted it during Wednesday's game. He played in the first half, not in the second half, but after the game, Nate was asked about Jalen not playing in the second half by Kevin Chouinard, and Nate said it was not injury-related, so he seems to be okay at this point in time. Still no bogey for the Hawks as well. And Philadelphia was without James Harden, as I mentioned a second ago. P.J. Tucker was uh, questionable for this game for the Sixers, ended up playing. And Ben Online, our friends over there, actually had this game as a coin flip. It was the Hawks minus one. So favored by one point. Uh, so basically as close as it possibly can be for the most part for the team at home. And the Hawks are able to, of course, cover those, um, cover that spread, I should say. One quick note before we actually talk about the game itself. The Hawks did debut their new City Edition Peach jerseys this evening, which I actually like quite a bit. I'm not a huge jersey enthusiast. Um, I believe that people that are more qualified than I am about the fashion scene. But I, did, I, I, do, I do like these jerseys. 
And also, the Hawks are wearing those nine more times this year, all in home games, including MLK Day, for one, uh, when the Warriors come to town in March, etc. And uh, I also like the court design as well. It's a new court design that was uh, debuted this evening, so uh, more of an aesthetic thing there, but it's sort of a nice thing to look out across the board for the Hawks before, during, and after this game. As for the game itself, though, we'll get into it now. And uh, Trey Young had a much better start to this one. He did he actually still did not shoot the ball well in this game, as we talked about quite a bit in the last few days. Trey's shoe numbers are way down this year, and that actually continues after tonight's game. Um, but he was more aggressive early on in this one, got to the line a bunch in this game, which was nice to see sort of boost his efficiency. Philadelphia has always been a pretty friendly matchup for Trey Young because they play a lot of drop coverage, a lot of uh, traditional bigs. And he's able to get to kind of get to his spots as he was able to in the first um, first half, especially of this game. The Hawks led 12-6 out of the gate. Capello was really good, really all night long for Atlanta. Made his first couple of shots, was bothering Embiid quite a bit when he was out there and also drew a charge, which I think Embiid is now number two in the league in charges drawn this season. Uh, a new wrinkle there to his game. Rotationally, though, it was an interesting game for the Hawks. Um, we'll get into this a little bit later on in more detail because there was a question from Caleb Johnson, 929, that was answered by Nate in a kind of controversial fashion. Hawks fans did not enjoyed Nate's answer. We'll put that for you later on in the show. But uh, it was, I would say there, was, there were a few changes to the rotation that was from the normal plan the Hawks have had. For one, Trey Young came out of the game in both the first and third quarters of this one. Very briefly, about a two-minute rest, but uh, normally this season, Trey has played the entire first and the entire third, and maybe that's a change because Nate talked about him being winded on Wednesday um, after having to miss a couple of days of work because of the uh, leg injury that he's been dealing with. But Trey did not play as long as he usually does in those stints. Um, maybe keep him fresh, again, part of that. And also they, they brought Capella out at the same time. That's been a more normal rotation where they bring Capella out, bring him back in the game to kind of pair with Trey. This time around, it was kind of the same thing there. Um, they brought Collins out the first time. They had Hunter play the four, two different stints tonight. Well, the first one in the first half was uh, was sort of designed to have him out there with the Kongwu. The second half, I think they kind of just kind of rode with what they were going with before. Um, I did not like, though, that the Hawks were, at least at one point in the first half, using a Hunter, a Kongwu front court against Philadelphia, who was playing uh, Embiid and P.J. Tucker and uh, Tobias Harris at the 3, 4, and 5. That was never going to work, and it didn't work in this game. That's just too small in that in that circumstances, uh, especially on the glass. That's something I want to at least circle. Jalen played less and came in a little bit later, um, and Capella came back came right back in with with Trey as they kind of want to keep those guys together for the most part. Um, it's kind of funny. Trey only took ten free throw attempts in the game. It's actually a lot of free throw attempts, I should say. I shouldn't say only, but he took nine of them in his first like seven minutes on the floor, eight minutes on the floor. He uh, and by the way, he didn't get to the line at all on Monday, so. No attempts at all at the line on Monday. Um, sorry, on Wednesday. And then he takes nine in the first quarter tonight and then one the rest of the game. So kind of an up and down free throw drawing uh, scenario there for Trey. But actually, he set a new career high. And that's notable for a guy who's taking a lot of free throws in his career already. Um, a career high for free throw attempts and makes in a quarter, uh, at least in the first quarter, was tonight for Trey taking nine, making all nine of them. And the Hawks ended the first quarter on an 11-0 run. So Philly didn't score the last like almost four minutes. And uh, I will say that there was a few power outages for Philadelphia's offense in this game. That was one of them at the end of the first quarter. Um, really, it was a good start for the Hawks on both ends of the floor. Offensively, they were really flowing early on. Trey had 15 points in the first quarter. They couldn't make a three all night long, which is certainly worth pointing out. But they were really good on twos early on, 9 of 14. And then defensively, they held the Sixers to 720 from the floor, had an 84 offensive, uh, sorry, defensive rating in that first quarter. And uh, generally speaking, the Hawks played well on defense all the way through this one. Um, 
The one other caveat about the rotation that I did not mention earlier was that AJ Griffin did not play in the first quarter. In fact, Griffin, after starting both the second and fourth quarters on Wednesday, didn't come in until about four and a half minutes left in the first half. I'd almost written it off, actually. I even tweeted about this. Normally, if a guy is going to come in to the game in the first half of a game for a quote-unquote normal stint, like not, not, not like a one-possession stint, they come in well before the four-and-a-half-minute mark of the second quarter. Um, unless it's a foul trouble situation or an injury, something like that, if it's a planned rotation, you normally see that guy by at least like the eight-minute mark of the second quarter, um, or they're not going to play most of the time. But in this game, in this game AJ, AJ played in both halves. It was just a little bit strange the way they kind of held him out for a very, very long time in that first half. Um, but the Hawks did kind of extend their lead up to double digits. Philadelphia didn't score for that you know, three and a half minutes at the end of the third quarter, sorry, at the end of the first quarter and then into the second as well. But the Hawks just could not score at the beginning of the second quarter. Um, a pretty hideous start, honestly. It was 11-2 run by Philadelphia, but I, I used the, run, the word run loosely because Philadelphia didn't like blow the doors off the Hawks on offense. It was the Hawks could not score. They were two of 10 from the floor to open the second quarter with two turnovers. They had four points in about six minutes. That's obviously pretty rough if you trade like that across the board. In the first half, the holidays, Justin and Aaron both really struggled, I thought. They were better in the second half for sure, but they were pretty bad in the first half on offense. And then Akongu got rocked as well in his first stint against Embiid. Uh, Trey finally broke the silence with a with a deep three. Uh, that was actually the first three of the game for Atlanta after they, after they missed their first eight attempts. But the Hawks were still winning this game despite not scoring for all that time and all that rough three-point shooting because defensively they played well the entire game. I mentioned Griffin coming in a little bit later. He actually played the two with the starters. Another weird thing about that was that DeJounte Murray sat for the final four and a half minutes of the first half with no fouls and no injury. It was just a strange thing all around. I'm not going to even try to sort of assign the thought process there, just kind of a weird rotation thing. I did restore some order at the end of the, at the, end of the first half. Um, Hawks led by as many as six down the stretch, then went into the halftime break up by four points. With the way they guarded in the first half, I thought it was certainly not, you know, probably should have been up by more than four. Offensively, though, a 92 offensive rating in the first half. That is really rough. And they scored 17 points in the second quarter overall. They just couldn't make a three or one of 11 from three point range. Only had seven assists in the first half as well. And Trey, after a good first quarter that was uh, super efficient with the free throw shooting, definitely cooled off from that point forward. Fortunately, though, the defense was the biggest story for me in this one. Obviously, there's stuff on the margins as well, but uh, we'll get into more of that and how they played defensively all the way through the second half, as well as some takeaways, individual player breakdowns, and more. But first, a word from our sponsors on the show today. Today's show is brought to you by Bet Online, and basketball is in full swing right now in November. Bet Online is the number one source for all the wagering information you're looking for, as well as the stats, the news, and analysis that you're seeking this season. You can find all the latest odds and trends across the board in the basketball space. That includes futures and game lines, overs, unders, props, all that fun stuff, as well as pro and college sports at Bet Online. And that includes football and basketball and soccer and esports and golf and tennis auto racing, horse racing, and many more sports beyond that. All of that and more at Bet Online. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to get your sports betting fix right now. And if you love your sports podcasts, you can also find those at Bet Online. Check out Bet Online on your mobile device or your computer to learn more about all of the trends and the action in the sports world. Bet Online, where the game starts. The third quarter was kind of sluggish for the Hawks in this game. It wasn't bad necessarily, but they led from by between like three points and seven or eight points for like the six or seven minutes of the second half. It wasn't like they were getting blown out or anything like that. They were definitely hanging around. It was kind of just a back and forth kind of slog. Philadelphia did finally tie it with about six minutes left in the third quarter, but they never took the lead. 
in the entire second half. Um, it was similar, similar rotation to the first half, except for no Jalen Johnson at all. Now, Nate did get the question afterwards, talked about how it wasn't injury-related. I'm, I'm skeptical about it on some level because usually he's going to be playing at some point, but they went very small at times in the second half. At least that's worth pointing out. He was not great in the first half, which might be a part of that as well. But, uh, you know, same thing in the as the first half with regard to Trey coming out for a brief moment along with Capella. They went to A.J. Griffin earlier in the second half, which made more sense. Played him a bunch, actually. I did have one uh, rotational issue that, that I'll sort of flag in the fourth quarter when they uh, stayed – with the bench for too long in my mind. But other, other than that, it was pretty uh, similar to what happened in the first half minus Jalen Johnson. Uh, there was a flagrant one called on DeAndre Hunter for a shove. Originally called a common foul. It was upgraded to a flagrant one. Didn't love that call. I definitely understand it on some level, but didn't love that one. But then the Hawks, as they did in the first quarter, almost entirely the same, actually. A 12-0 run this time around to end the third quarter. After the Hawks' lead was down to two, 12-0 run in about two and a half minutes to go from up two to, up four, to go up by 14. Trey had the last five points of that push, and the Hawks were still only 4-20 from three, but they were doing mostly everything else well at that point. Capella had 11 rebounds in the third quarter alone. He was flying around in the third quarter. There was one more push coming um, for, actually, I guess two more pushes coming for Philadelphia. The first one was an 8-2 to two run in the fourth quarter to open things up against the Murray plus bench unit. Um, the lead was down to eight as a result, but what looked to be the closing kick for the Hawks happened after that. It's a 12-0 run to uh, sort of extend things out to a 26-8 overall push by Atlanta. They scored seven straight points at before a timeout, including a big three from AJ Griffin, his only three of the night, but a nice a nice big shot from him off the, off the bench. Um, the crowd loved that pop from Griffin. The definitely uh, the fan base is definitely enjoying AJ at this point in time. Akongu had a great block on Tobias Harris right after that, and then Justin Holiday hit a three. The Hawks got a steal, then Akongu had a run-out dunk, another timeout, and the place was rocking again, up by 20 with about eight minutes to go. Now, the game isn't over at that point. No, no one should say that it was, but the Hawks were in comfortable position, you would think. Um, but from there, for the next like five, six minutes, it was not very good basketball from Atlanta. Uh, Nate did have a good challenge, I thought, with about seven minutes to go on a throwaway that would have been a turnover by Philadelphia, except it was called off the Hawks. Uh, clearly on review, it was not touched by anyone, so that was a good good challenge. Not a huge leverage play from Nate, but they definitely needed that one to go their way, and it did. Um, I, again, I, I've said this before, but I think it was much better from Aaron Holiday, Justin Holiday, in the second half of this game, helped to boost the bench unit a little bit. There was a gorgeous dribble handoff play from Okongwu to DeJounte Murray and then back to Okongwu, uh, sort of a pseudo you know, side pick and roll kind of thing. Um, easy bucket there, back up 15 at that point in time, but they, they made a mess of it from like the five-minute mark to the two-minute mark. Um, Nate, got, Nate got a little bit too cute, I thought, in leaving Collins and Capella on the bench for way too long. In fact, Capella stayed on the bench forever. Uh, but even then, they were playing this unit with Justin Holiday, A.J. Griffin, and Okongwu against Philadelphia starters, and they were just too small. Um, you're, you're playing basically no four in a Kongwu against Embiid or Embiid and Paul Reed. It was just there was no adjustment there from Nate. Didn't love that at all down the stretch. And uh, Capella sat for too long. Collins was, was was not his best self in this game, but certainly was better than what they had what they had at the four otherwise. So that I didn't love that. Even, the, even even Hunter probably would have helped them at that point in time, but they were going very small in that stretch with the holiday Griffin Kongwu front court for whatever reason they that they sort of saw that. Um they finally went back to Collins and Hunter at one point, uh, but Philly scored again. It was down to eight with three and a half minutes to go, a 13-2 to two run by Philadelphia overall. The Hawks scored two points in like four and a half minutes. Um, there was just no flow at all on offense. I'm not sure if it was like too much prevent offense, trying to go too slow, but Trey turned it over in pretty jarringly bad fashion at the half-court line. 
the Sixers had a chance to get it to five with two minutes to go um, at the free throw line and only made one out of two. That was definitely a gift to the Hawks. They finally went to Capella, but he had been ice cold at that point because Congo got a foul and foul trouble. He had five actually in 20 ish minutes in this game. But, um, you know, it was never comfortable, basically, down the stretch, I'll just say. Um, finally, once uh, Murray had a big uh, drive to get it back to eight, it was probably safe after a stop from there. And they managed to kind of finally put it away on defense again, kind of fittingly because the defense was much better than the offense in this game. And a punctuation dunk by John Collins with about 15 seconds to go, and it was finally over at that point in time. Uh, by the way, Collins was limping after that dunk actually transpired. I actually asked Nate after the game if there was any anything to worry about there. He said he didn't think so, and he thought that John was fine. At least he hoped so. So no official word on that beyond what Nate said on the podium. But John hopefully is okay at this point in time. But the big thing in the fourth quarter beyond the offense just kind of just being bad was nine turnovers. The Hawks have been elite in ball security this year and really the last two seasons. Um, that's a sort of the core tenet of this team right now on offense is their ball security. And they just kind of give the ball away a ton in the fourth quarter. And that was one of the reasons why the door was so open for Philadelphia to get back into the game. But fortunately, the Hawks dodged that bullet and what would have been a brutal collapse to lose this one. And they were able to hold on and get the win. Um, overall, I think clearly this is a defense first victory. For the Hawks, if you look at the numbers, even just the game flow and how it went, how the Hawks played overall, they were really good defensively. Now, Philadelphia was not playing its best basketball for sure. It's always a two way street. But defensively, the Hawks had a 91 defensive rating. That is excellent against anybody. I mean, it could have been against, you know, pick a bad offense here, Oklahoma City or whatever. That's still a good number, but especially against a good Philadelphia offense. The Sixers, like the Hawks, by the way, could not make a shot in this game. They were 6 of 30 from three, but only 39% from the floor overall, only 38 points in the paint for Philadelphia. Um, they, did, they did allow 30 free throw attempts. That was, that was kind of the one hiccup defensively. It was too many free throw attempts allowed, but they had more turnovers, which was 17, than assists allowed, which was 15. That's a great sign. And Philadelphia only had a 17% offensive rebound rate. So the Hawks did Everything well, basically. They rebounded. They created turnovers. They contested shots. Uh, Capella was awesome as the anchor in the back. And even the premier, I thought Trey was pretty good, at least by his standards today. Pretty frisky defensively for most of the game. So good to see that across the board from the Hawks. The other, the other end of the floor was less exciting, for sure. A 99 offensive rating. That's really bad, actually. Against Again, against anyone, basically, that would be a bad number, uh, especially for this offense. Um, I will say, the Hawks managed to win a game against a good opponent, while shooting 6 of 26 from 3. And uh, that's helpful. Again, it was probably good that Philadelphia missed a bunch of shots as well. I know my friend Kevin Chenard had some numbers after the game. The Hawks are shooting 53% on long twos this year, which is uh, unsustainable for literally any team. Uh, last year, I think the, the season high for a team was like 48 or 49% for a team, and that's excellent. 53% is just not possible, but the Hawks just cannot make a 3 still. Anyway, uh, defensively, it was good. Offensively, the shooting was what it was. Trey cooled off. They did shoot well from two-point range, 53%. That's totally fine. They got to the line 23 times. That's not a huge number, but they made 20 of them. That's very accurate. Um, turnovers were a strength until the fourth quarter, but then they had, of course, they had nine, so they had 18 in the game. That's way too many, but it was usually on track to be pretty good throughout the course of the game, and then they won the glass. So there were no individual brilliant offensive performances in this game. Um, just for a quick rundown here, Collins, 3 of 11. Uh, Trey, 7 of 21. DeJounte, even, 5 of 13. Like, those are your three leading offensive players. Even Hunter was 6 of 13. Capella was the only guy um, that took more than six shots that, ha that had a 50% clip from the floor. But, you know, they got away with it because they 
made enough shots uh, at the line. They made, then they got enough stops. That was the biggest thing. Defensively, they really, really did slow them down. And with the exception of Embiid, who had 26 points, nobody else really beat them. Uh, I will just kind of say this out loud. Philadelphia, even with Embiid not playing particularly well in my mind, they were plus 10 in his minutes. So the Sixers lost to the Hawks by 19 points with a beat off the floor. And that's a very familiar refrain if you are a Sixer fan, which I'm sure not a lot of you are listening to this podcast, but that's a very sort of a Philly staple kind of thing. But, um, you know, the Hawks took advantage of it and were uh, certainly able to just kind of blow the roof off of the Paul Reed, Montrez Harrell kind of, you know, minutes, uh, George Niang, et cetera. So anyway, that's enough of that. But defensively, the Hawks were very good in this game. We'll have more on that in the individual portion of the podcast in a second. But first, it worked from our sponsors on the show today. Today's show is brought to you by LinkedIn, and these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your business. You want to be 100% certain you have access to the best qualified candidates available, and that's why I have to check out LinkedIn Jobs right now. LinkedIn Jobs lets you find the right people for your team. They do it faster, and they do it for free. I've had to hire a few times in the last couple of years for a few different circumstances, and LinkedIn Jobs has always proven to be an awesome resource for me. It's incredibly easy to create a free job post LinkedIn Jobs, and they have high-quality candidates that you absolutely need to locate to make the best possible hire. Then once you're set up, add your job in the purple hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile and spread the word that you're actually hiring. And there are simple tools at LinkedIn jobs as well. They have screening questions as an example, and to make it easy on focus on candidates to, my, to kind of find those people with the right skills and prioritize them. So you can equal, easily find people that you want to interview and hire. You want to finish the year very strong and finding the right team member is key to doing just that. It's why small, small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs. Number one in delivering quality hires against leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the quali- qualified candidates that you want, actually want to talk to, and they help you to do it faster and for free. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash MBA. That is linkedin.com slash MBA. Terms and conditions apply. So before I get into the individual breakdowns, I am going to pause here and share a little bit about Nate McMillan's uh, answer in the post game that got a lot of attention when I transcribed it and tweeted it out. Uh, he got a question that I'm about to play for you on the podcast, either on the video side or the audio side of an where you're watching or listening to the podcast. From Caleb Johnson at 929, it was a just a generic, normal question about rotations because Nate did change things. It wasn't antagonistic at all from Caleb. Uh, Nate did tweak the rotation in this game a few different times. It wasn't a question. It was only by AJ Griffin either. Uh, I know Hawks fans would love it if uh, the media would just kind of just grill Nate about AJ in particular right now. That's not really realistic, but there was a question about the rotation. I'm going to let you all hear it right now. And then uh, it's about a minute long answer from Nate McMillan that people do not love, but uh, the best context possible is to just play the entire thing. So here it is. Question from Caleb Johnson, 929 of the game. And then Nate with a full answer about the rotation. They obviously went back to back, wanting to get guys rest and, and you know change up your rotations. Uh, how much was tonight of just getting guys some rest at different points and, and also just wanting to see very different rotations in guys playing. I'm not. I'm not experimenting, guys. I'm not experimenting. Uh, you know, wanting to see different rotations. I'm trying to win that game. You know, so I'm not experimenting. I'm not developing, doing all of that. Uh, I'm trying to win games, and uh, you know, we're gonna go with a rotation. And if uh, you know, we uh, see, if I see an opportunity where we need something uh, tonight, I thought we needed some shooting. Uh, uh, you know, so we put AJ in the game. Uh, I thought we needed uh, ball pressure tonight, so Aaron played more minutes tonight. So I'm not experimenting uh, with this roster and experimenting with rotations. Uh, you do that in preseason. Uh, this is regular season. Uh, we're trying to win games. So, uh, you know, 
we're going to try to put the best players out there and the guys that are uh, going to give us the best chance to win games. On the whole, I, I don't love that answer from Nate, just to put it kindly. Uh, I, I think there's probably already been some overreactions on Twitter to what I said uh, and what I sort of transcribed to put out there. Um, but, you know, Nate, I've never loved the Nate disposition on this one. He's been saying for two years now, basically, that the time for development is over. I don't agree with that approach. I do understand what he is saying. And I think Nate is just an old school guy that like takes the game, one at, what actually takes the games one at a time and really just tries to grind and win. He's not really in the business of looking to the future which I think is what he's kind of saying overall. But I don't think it does anybody any good to for a team that is young, as young as the Hawks are, to talk about, you know, throw the because there was no talk about development and the question. He went to development and he went to that reference and that answer. Um, and just, you know, the fact that it's not it's never going to go over very well there. You know, the the actual, you know, game in, game out of trying to win games, I've been trusting for a while. And like the Hawks have basically done that the last two years. And uh, generally speaking, rookies are not su super helpful, which is why it's notable that um, I am not very high on rookies, generally speaking, when it comes to how effective they are. But even I have been kind of calling for more AJ Griffin this season because of number one, I think he brings a dynamic skill set to the table. And number two, the Hawks have a pretty clear weakness in the areas that he can kind of fill. So uh, it's not all about AJ or even Jalen or anybody like that, but I just wanted to put it out there. Uh, I don't love the answer from Nate for sure. He seemed to be a little bit defensive there. Like he'd been kind of hearing some stuff maybe behind the scenes or maybe he's like, you know, heard from fans or whatever that people were not, lo not loving things right now, but it was a relatively uh, benign exchange. And Nate just kind of uh, was a little bit touch on that one. So I wanted to at least play the context for you. And uh, now we'll dive in, but I will say the rotation was different. So the question is totally fine. Um, the rotation was notably different in this game and the, he, uh, the experimental Think the word that he's using there um, again was not part of the question either, uh, and I think it's good generally speaking to experiment. Not a ton, like obviously you're trying to win every game, especially when you're a team that is not in rebuilding mode, like the Hawks aren't. But there's nothing wrong with Nate trying some combinations out, especially in small sample sizes, to try to see what's going on. Um, you know, whatever. I'll leave it there for now. But I wanted to at least put that for you all for some more context. As for the players, we'll get into them now, as we always do on the show. Uh, the bench was up and down, but the numbers were pretty good other than a Kongwu who had uh, kind of the benefit of not being Capella in this one, unfortunately, um, for him. But uh, Jalen played the fewest minutes, only six minutes in the first half. I don't think he played very well. He, he, he did have one nice steal, had two points and a rebound, just kind of a quiet performance defensively, a couple of issues overall. But he was okay. It wasn't like he was terrible, but not his best, which might have contributed to him only playing that one stint. Uh, Griffin played the second fewest minutes with 14, um, three points. On, and that was a big shot, which I think Trey Young referenced after the game as well. Um, it was one the Hawks actually ended up kind of needing at that point in time from AJ. Um, had, had an assist, had a steal. I thought he played fine. He was not fantastic in the first half, but uh, always uh, always getting guarded. Again, I, I definitely encourage people to watch, not just watch the ball, but when AJ's on the floor, he gets guarded up to 30 feet. And that really does change things for this Hawks offense, which is uh, worth keeping in mind. Justin Holiday played very well in the second half. Not as well in the first half, for sure, but two or four from the floor, two or four from three, four rebounds, had six points. They had three turnovers, which is way too many for a guy with, with, with his low usage, but I thought he was pretty good in the second half. Aaron Holiday is kind of similar. I thought the first half he was really struggling, um, but four points, two steals, had a, had a uh, assist, had two rebounds, two five from the floor, over two on, on threes, but Plus 15, he was on the floor for the big run in the second half. Uh, as you heard in that answer from Nate, he talked about Aaron's defensive pressure. 
which can be very useful. Uh, kind of throw it, you know, throw it Maxi or throw it somebody like the Anthony Melton or whoever in this game. Uh, he could be useful in that regard. So I am still on record as saying that if you're taking anybody's minutes away that's been playing so far, I'd probably take away Aaron's over Justin's with, with regard to playing AJ Griffin more. But in this game, AJ got a little bit of Jalen's minutes because they weren't so small. And then uh, it was kind of enough to kind of carve out that role in this spot. Uh, and then lastly, a Kongwu. I thought he was pretty shaky in the first half. Uh, it's a tough matchup for him against Embiid for sure, just size wise. But I thought he was pretty good in the second half. Seventeen, sorry, ten points, eleven rebounds, and two blocks for a Kongwu. He was minus seventeen. There's a little bit of noise in that number. I don't think he like earned that necessarily with his poor play. I thought he did have some nice flashes in the second half. Overall, he was more in a control and kind of figured it out. You definitely see the processing going on with a Kongwu in the middle of games, which is good to see from a young, from a, from a young guy. But um, you know, pluses and minuses. I thought he played fine, generally speaking. The starters were not quite as good across the board. Um, it was a quiet John Collins game, 3 of 11 from the floor, 0 of 3 from 3. Uh, then 11, 11 points, 4 rebounds, 2 assists, and a steal. I do think that defensively he was quite good. And I know I'm, I'm definitely higher on his defense than some, but I think that he was a very effective player, and the Hawks kind of held him out probably too long in the fourth quarter when the defense was really kind of finally letting up a little bit. Uh, he wasn't great on offense by any stretch of the imagination. He was just okay overall, but defensively he does definitely help you. Uh, Hunter... Had 14 points and four rebounds, uh, no steals, no blocks, no assists. For DeAndre, kind of a usual thing there for him, unfortunately. But he was efficient enough. 14 points on 14 shooting possessions is not great, but totally fine. Minus four. He was just okay, I thought. Uh, Murray had kind of an off night for him. He did create some havoc with two steals and pretty good defense on the whole. Um, had eight assists as well to actually lead the team, one more than Trey. Um, two turnovers is totally fine as well for him. But uh, only shot 0 of 4 from 3, 5 9 on twos. Didn't get to the line at all. So not his best performance, but also uh, definitely always makes a mark on the game at some point along the way. Uh, Trey Young, 26 points, 7 assists for Trey. As I said before, though, he definitely did cool off. And once again, I don't want to make too much of it, but Trey shooting numbers are continuing to be very rough. He was 7-21 from the floor, 2-8 from three. So that means he was 5-13 on twos. That's rough. 2-8 on threes. That's rough. They get to the line 10 times, made all 10. But Trey has not just found his offense just yet when it comes to making his own shots. The passing is always great. But six turnovers. Uh, I thought he was going to come out and have a huge game, honestly, after the first quarter when he was really kind of getting wherever he wanted to. And then he definitely, he definitely did stall out and he was part of the uh, part of the problem offensively at times in the fourth quarter. But he managed to kind of pull it out from there and uh, wasn't a huge negative by any means, but just wasn't his absolute best self either. And then I'll end with Clint Capella, who was awesome in this game. Uh, 18 points. 20 rebounds, yes, 20 rebounds in 26 minutes. So Capella was basically just dominant on the glass. 15 defensive rebounds is a sky-high number. Uh, there are some games where Capella kind of pads his numbers by having his own misses on the glass and that kind of stuff. But in this game, that wasn't the case. He was 7 from the floor. He was 4-6 to the free throw line. Had uh, you know only had one turnover, was a game-best plus 24, and that was appropriate. I think Capella was probably the best player on the court in this game. Uh, obviously he's not better than Joel Embiid. He's not better than Trey Young. But in this game, Capella, I thought, really was the most impactful player on the court. He was that good defensively. He was anchoring. The numbers are what they are. 18 and 20 is obviously really good numbers. But, um, yeah, I thought he was awesome. Once again, he got a question from Kevin Chouinard for the podcast about his, uh, you know, Nate's been saying in the last couple of games that they've been getting like sort of the Clint from two years ago. And uh, Kevin asked about that. And Clint kind of said uh, he they actually feels better than two years ago. He did say he's two years older than two years older, of course, now, which is accurate if you do the math on that. But I think Clint has been playing quite aggressively, quite effectively. Positioning-wise, he's always fantastic defensively. Um, but yeah, he was really good. 
I thought. So I don't want to go crazy about it, but I thought he was really spectacular. And if you wanted to have sort of circle one thing, it was that the Hawks were awesome defensively. He's our best defender. And uh, that kind of translated to what became a nice win for the Hawks in this spot. So from here, uh, the next game on the agenda is a Saturday rematch against the Sixers. So they have to travel up both teams, probably flying in the next few hours uh, up to Philadelphia. Uh, for a rematch on Saturday night. I'll have a podcast after that game as well. I don't always do shows on the weekends, but if there's a game on Saturday night, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cover it for sure. So that'll be in play. Uh, but yeah, we'll see how things change in that one. We'll see if Jalen Johnson is available. We'll see um, you know, if Collins had any sort of fallout from that, uh, from that late limping that he was doing at the end of the game. We'll see if Embiid can be better than this. Tyrese Maxey was very quiet in this one for Philadelphia, and he's going to be better than that, you would imagine, if you had to project that moving forward to Saturday. And uh, we'll see if the Hawks can play the same level of defense that they did in this game in the rematch on Saturday. But certainly a nice night at the office for the Hawks. Eight and four overall, five and two at home. Um, certainly, if you told me through 12 games, the Hawks would be eight and four, you have to say yes to that. Um, it's not like they're 10 and two. They're not lighting the entire league on fire. But um, And there have been some bad losses, at least two bad losses for sure. That you could circle with Toronto and, and Charlotte, but eight and four is eight and four. You got to take that and be pretty happy with it at this point in time. All right. Thanks for listening to the show, everybody. I definitely encourage you to, to subscribe to the podcast across podcast platforms. Uh, not going to go down this rabbit hole too much right now, but with Twitter and the uncertainty there, that's where I share most of my content in the, in the broadest way. So uh, definitely I would encourage you even more so right now to subscribe actively subscribe to the podcast so you make sure you can find it no matter what happens on social media or wherever else i will this podcast is going to continue so uh it'll be there in your feeds but please subscribe to it so you know where it's when it's going to come and it will pop up either after games or when i do analysis with other guests and stuff like that so we will definitely be here all the way through leave five star ratings leave reviews tell a friend about the podcast also you can send in questions to lockedonhawks at gmail.com if you have mailbag stuff i will try to get to those either on the show or via email and uh, follow me on Twitter if it still exists at PT Roland. We'll uh, see you after the game on Saturday. And if anything happens in between, I'll sort of spring into action. But at the very latest, I will see you after Hawks Sixers in the rematch on Saturday.